Hello and welcome to the first installment of the ISMI podcast, hosted and conceived by the members of the podcast club here at, you guessed it, ISMI. This podcast will focus on interviewing staff at our school, as well as providing fun history facts and commentary. Today's voices will be Kaya, Zakia, or Kia Wilson. Hello, my name is Charles Lafise. Dylan Pepper. And I am your intro speaker, Nix. Today, we are interviewing Mr. Biederman, an inspirational and beloved teacher here at Insight School of Michigan. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Now, let's get into the show. So, Mr. Biederman, why did you become a teacher? Thank you for asking that question. It's a great one, too. Um, I did not originally think about being a teacher uh, when I first uh, was done with college, and I was at a point in my life when my career was not really going anywhere. I was in the computer industry. And uh, my mother, who was a teacher, uh, and her father was also a teacher, my mother said to me, do what you want to do, go where you want to go, be what you want to be, whatever you do, don't become a teacher. <laughs> so my mother told me not to become a teacher. Uh, and uh, I was uh, volunteering uh, at the Ann Arbor Hands-On Museum. I was doing science shows there. And some other kid's mother, I don't even know who this person was came up to me one day and started talking to me and was talking to me on the assumption that I was a science teacher. I told her, well, no, I'm not a science teacher. I just kind of have a desk job at a computer company. And this mom, whoever she is, wherever she is, I don't know her. Uh, she said to me, well, you're not a science teacher. You should be. Um, and uh, that, that started thinking me, uh, started getting me to think that, you know, I was really enjoying my volunteer work at the Ann Arbor Hands on Museum. I was doing science shows. I was loving science. I was loving science education. Um, and that is uh, what, uh, was the spark uh, for me to become a teacher. I kind of felt like this is the one opportunity I have uh, to reach students who have any career goal at all. Um, whatever career you're going to, you pretty much have to go through, uh, at least get some help from you know your uh, early teachers. So, And I've been enjoying it ever since. I became a certified teacher uh, back in 2001. So it's been uh, 20 years. Awesome. <laughs> Mr. Biederman, why do you keep your mic on during your ticks? That's a, uh, another another interesting question. Uh, when I first started at Insight School of Michigan, I turned off my microphone when I had a series of ticks due to Tourette's syndrome because I figured, eh, you know, I might as well turn my microphone off. Students don't need to hear that. But then I changed my mind and I decided, you know what, I'm going to keep my microphone on. I'm going to let my students hear the ticks due to Tourette's syndrome because for one thing, it helps them know what's going on. But for another thing, it just makes it uh, adds uh, understanding uh, and awareness of uh, Tourette's syndrome. Um, so I let the, the, the ticks flow. I mean, plus if I was in a brick school, I wouldn't be able to turn off my ticks in a brick school anyway. Um, and then, uh, you know, I just we, it helps uh, for students to understand. Uh, it's also kind of interesting because during when I have a, a longer set of ticks, oftentimes I will use the chat and I'll tell students what I want them to do. I'll kind of keep the class going uh, in the chat, and then a lot of times students will say something like, "Oh, wow, you can continue talking and typing, you know, and using the chat while you have ticks." Like, yep, I can, I can still still keep the class going. I'll just use the chat. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. 
How did you end up in Michigan? Uh, that was back in 1993 that I came to Michigan. I am uh, originally from New Jersey. I uh, went to college, undergrad in New York. I'm actually right now in New Jersey. Uh, I'm in New Jersey for a few days uh, visiting family. Um, and uh, I came to Michigan in 1993 f- uh, to go to grad school at uh, University of Michigan. And uh, and I just I wound up staying out here uh, ever since. Uh, I was get- I was going to get a PhD in uh, physiology. I didn't. I did not get that PhD. Uh, only went a one year in that program, and realized this was not the place for me. Um, so, uh, but I decided to stay in Michigan. And then eventually, I went after that uh, graduate program that did not happen. Eventually, I went back to University of Michigan uh, to get my teaching certificate, and that was uh, done in uh, two thousand one. Uh, would you be able to explain what Tourette syndrome is to those who may not know what it is? Sure. Tourette syndrome is a neurological condition. It's all something that's uh, not quite right uh, in terms of levels of different chemicals up in the brain and stuff like that and neurons that are not quite doing what they should be doing. And for each person who has Tourette syndrome, it's different. Uh, But typically it is random, involuntary things. Uh, Those things we call tics. Uh, They could be vocal tics. So it could be saying words and phrases or noises and odd sounds. Uh, for a small number of people with Tourette syndrome, they have something called coprolalia, which means involuntarily using words that are considered to be obscene. That is a real thing. It's not the majority of uh, people with Tourette syndrome, but it is a real thing. Um, and uh, that's not the case for me, so I'm, I'm fortunate there. Um, then there's also motor tics, which could be involuntary movements of uh, – Face, arms, hands, legs, uh, pretty much any part of the body that can move uh, can be a motor tick. Um, so for me, sometimes I have uh, movements of my hands and sometimes I have movements of my face. Uh, sometimes during, even during classes and during meetings, but sometimes during staff meetings, I'll be like raising my hand and, and the person will be uh, thinking that I'm raising my hand as part of the class. Like, uh, no, I'm not actually really raising my hand. I'm raising my hand because I have Tourette syndrome. So that's what Tourette syndrome is. It's uh, all sorts of involuntary movements and noises. All righty. Thank you for going into that. Um, What advice would you give to people with Tourette's? Uh, It is a bizarre condition. And what makes it so bizarre and so different is that it connects to the people around you. You know, if I just was, you know, had a problem with my arm, for example, that doesn't really affect the world around you. But it has this odd impact in that when you go out in society, people notice that you're making noises. It can be disruptive. It can be startling to other people. It makes it difficult to fit into our society because people are expecting a certain level of behavior, whether you're in a supermarket or a shopping mall or a library or something like that. Um, So it 
for one thing, I would encourage people with Tourette syndrome to not limit your life, to go and do whatever you want to do in your life. If that means going to a movie theater or going to a, a shopping mall or going to a library, um, you know, to not place any limits on your life just because you're afraid of people staring at you or people remarking about ticks or being afraid of you or whatever, uh, to, to not allow any artificial limits. Um, and the other thing is to sort of create a, a toolbox of, of ways to deal with it. Um, well, how do you deal with uh, physical tics that might hurt your neck? How do you deal with vocal tics that might cause people to stare at you? Uh, and to just try out all sorts of different uh, methods and to keep an eye on what methods work best to be ready to change them um, if necessary. So, for example, one of the things that works very well for me is just thinking about, okay, if I'm out in public and I'm making loud noises and people are staring at me, one of the things that I've decided is that if someone's staring at me, I'm going to let them stare. I'm not going to take the time to say anything because they're just staring. Now, if someone asks me, I will probably tell them what's going on and I'll probably do my best to be a bit of an educator and tell them more about Tourette syndrome. So, uh, yeah, those are, that's some of the advice I have for people with Tourette syndrome. It's difficult to give advice to people with Tourette syndrome because everybody has it completely differently. Um, I've seen a huge variety of, uh, manifestations of how people have Tourette syndrome. Hey, thank you. Okay. This is, one of the world's greatest debate, Mr. Biederman, there's only one answer, correct answer to this, cereal or milk first? <laughs> I love this. Okay. I say cereal first because if you put the milk in first and then you put the cereal on top, it tends to float on top of the cereal and then you have to kind of pack it down to the bottom of the bowl. Uh, if you put the cereal in first, then that allows you to more densely pack the bowl with more cereal. It optimizes the amount of cereal that you can put into the bowl. So I vote for cereal first. <laughs> Love it. Okay. When did you first notice you, notice you had Tourette syndrome? Thank you. It, it came about very abruptly, actually. Um, most people who have Tourette's syndrome uh, have their, their symptoms uh, starting very early, like young childhood, like, you know, somewhere around the age of like, you know, I don't know exactly what, but anywhere, probably like less than 10 years old uh, is when ticks typically start for Tourette syndrome. For me, uh, my ticks actually started very abruptly uh, while I was in college. Uh, I was at home, spring break, just relaxing on the couch, watching TV, nothing really exciting happening. And I just started making these really, really loud, really loud sounds. And at first I thought I had hiccups. Um, and I wasn't sure what was going on. Uh, eventually I did see a doctor who told me that I had Tourette's syndrome. Um, so that, you know, made it, uh, now I had something more to go on, but for a long time, um, uh, I thought I had an odd case of, of, uh, hiccups, uh, because at first I was just making these loud, uh, whooping sounds that sounded like hiccups. So the the actual answer to that question would be 1991 was when they first uh, started. So I was almost 20 years old. 
How, Mr. Biederman, how do you keep your confidence up? That, that's a tricky question to, to answer. I would say for one thing, time, I mean, as you get older, your confidence goes up a little bit more each day with each success in your life. But I think the one thing that does help me with confidence is that I, I tend to recognize and remember even the small wins, like the smallest accomplishments help me build my confidence in my life. Even if it's just you know one student who is having difficulty and suddenly gets it, if it's a whole classroom of students who get it, or if it's a connection I made with a parent, or if it's, you know, you know I helped a teacher uh, fix something and it only took me five minutes. Um, the smaller the win, it, it, that's okay. I still remember them. So small wins, small accomplishments, small things that I do, I try to remember them. And because, you know, the big ones, of course, you're going to remember. You're going to remember your big accomplishments. You're going to mem- remember your big ones. But the small, medium ones, if you could try to just burn them into your memory, um, that helps you have a little bit of confidence uh, for uh, your next thing that you're trying to get accomplished. Nice. Okay, Mr. Biederman, is there anything that you would like to say in closing? Um, I would say I love um, – I, I think I'm the type of person who just doesn't say no. <laughs> when, when I'm asked to do something, I, it's, it's pretty rare that I, that, I, uh, that I say no. So I have like you know, various other jobs in my life that I do um, you know, and that are all part of uh, – all connect some way somehow to education. Um, most recently, I added a new job to my lineup. Uh, I teach a religious school on Saturdays. Uh, at my synagogue, I'm, I'm Jewish, um, so I, on Saturdays I now teach third grade religious school, which is a blast. Uh, thanks to Mr. Hookstra, uh, with balancing my schedule, I'm also a crossing guard uh, for the elementary school that's uh, right by my home, and that's that's great that I could step out during the day, do a quick little half hour shift at the crossing guard post, where gear up with all of my bright yellow neon green uh, gear and hold up a sign. Um, and um, a lot of times, uh, the last thing I want to say is uh, I also love volunteer work. Uh, I do lots of volunteer work. I volunteer uh, at my synagogue, and I also volunteer uh, at the local public library uh, where I live. Um, I'm the board president, uh, and that's kind of fun because a lot of times people think that someone with Tourette's syndrome probably doesn't go to libraries. I guess I do go to libraries have to be the board president too. So um, that's uh, – those are just some of the things about me. Uh, I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I feel honored uh, that uh, you asked me to be here. So thank you. Yeah, Thank you, Mr. Biederman, for sitting aside time to be our first ever guest on our podcast. We really appreciate you for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That was, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Hey, y'all. It's Dylan, and welcome to On This Day in History, November 19. In this segment, we're just going to be going over some fun facts that happened on the day of the recording in history. So, let's just hop right into 1863, where President Lincoln gave his stunning speech, otherwise known as the Gettysburg Address. You should know about that one, shouldn't you? And, of course, we'll jump uh, backwards into 1805, where Lewis and Clark finally made it to the Pacific Ocean. 
In this segment, we're going to give you a puzzler. The answer to the puzzler will be on our next podcast, so make sure you tune in for that. If four Washingtons make a single Washington, then how many Lincolns does it take to make a single single Lincoln? Next podcast, we'll be interviewing Mrs. Boardman, the head of school.